This is ESPN-UP's Coaches Show, getting you ready for a weekend of high school football. Here's your host, Blake Froling. Week two is here of the high school football season. Thanks so much for joining us here on ESPN-UP. Blake Froling and Jake Durant from Local 3 with you. We'll go through some of the highlights of last week, some of the top performers, preview a couple games coming up tonight, recap a couple games yesterday, kind of a, a hectic week so far here. Yeah, you know, the games are split up a little bit, so we had a, like half the slate of games yesterday, half the slate of games tonight. Um, I'm, I kind of enjoy it, though. Yeah. Gives you something, you know, it kind of like spaces things out and... Um, you can kind of focus on different games, maybe get to some games that mm-hmm. you might not have if the, the all the games are on Friday night. So Right. You know, uh, another day with football is never a bad day. Nope. And right? we got college starting up, too. Oh, it's going to be great. It's great. It's a great weekend. Let's recap. We have got we had two games yesterday. Marquette lost at Traverse City Central 35-7. to Nagani lost at Calumet 30-8. to Games coming up tonight. Ishwaming hosting Lakeland and Hubble for the first time in program history. Westwood, our Patriots, taking on Iron Mountain at home. Pre-game starts at 6.30, kickoff at 7 here on ESPN-UP. We were going to have Gwynn versus Manistique yesterday. That one was canceled because Manistique doesn't have enough players. That's a tough situation, especially since we're so early in the season. Yeah, and, and just going around to the, to the training camps over the summer, numbers were a huge, a huge thing. I, I remember talking to Dave Graff from Forest Park just a week ago, and he was just kind of hoping, you know, that, he can stay healthy through the season. He says we're one or two players uh, injuries away from not even be able to field a team. So that was kind of interesting to see. Um, but I think numbers are a huge thing for it. You know, it continues to be a problem when you talk about high school football in the UP. Um, just unfortunate for Manistique, you know, obviously a program that's kind of been down in the years. Um, hopefully they can get it, get, get it going again, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, and get, and get some players and, and get that program up again. Yeah, you'd hate it if they had to cancel a season or something like that, especially for the seniors when this is their last go-around. Mm-hmm. They want to get that win for the program, so we hope they can get the numbers up. Let's start first with our Westwood Patriots. They're playing the Mountaineers, two 1-0 teams. Iron Mountain was the trendy bounce-back pick, I, could, I guess you could say, as a team that struggled last year. A lot of people said they're going to be a lot better this year. They beat Iron Mountain last week 12-9. to what are you expecting out of the Mountaineers here in Week 2? Well, I definitely think this is going to be a, a tougher challenge for, for the Mountaineers. Um, with Nagani kind of getting blown out last night, you're wondering if Nagani was even as good as maybe we thought or maybe I thought. I thought with that returning talent, they would be better. Obviously, a disappointing 0-2 start there. But um, I think Westwood is the real deal. Like I said before, I think they're one of the better teams in the UP. Um, you know, Marcus Johnson did some amazing things. You know, that was my first time kind of seeing you reese him on the basketball court doing mm-hmm. a lot of crazy things. But um, he, he's translating that well to the football field. Um, but if they can keep that, that Gerhard-Johnson connection going and play good defense, um, I don't see why they can't, they can't make this a game and possibly win this game. Do I think they're going to win this game? I was on the high school sports zone. I said I think Westwood's going to win this game, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a close one. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely going to be closer than the Westwood Houghton oh, yeah. game we saw last week, which was forty-two to nothing. I think a big advantage for Westwood is that pass rush, and I know Marcus Johnson is a great scrambler and, and can run the ball. He'll be forced to do that a lot based on what I saw in Week One because uh, Houghton's quarterback, uh, but Villas had no time to throw at all. Every single time he had to roll out of the pocket. That's, I have a feeling that's what we're going to see here in this game and how 
Marcus responds to that mm-hmm. pressure will really determine uh, how close of a game this is going to be. Right. I mean, I mean, Iron Mountain, they didn't put up a lot of points in that last win over mm-hmm. Nagani. They only had 12 points, and one of those touchdowns came off of Marcus Johnson's scramble to the right. He stopped, turned back, and then literally just threw it up to Gerhard, who made a great mm-hmm. catch and was able to score. So um, I'm not going to say this, is, this team's offense is, is rolling right now. Um, now they're going to play better defense, so you kind of wonder – um, you know, I think Johnson's going to have to play a la Aaron Rodgers and be able to get out of that pocket and make plays. And if he can't do that, I, I don't see them winning. Well, let's go to our interview now with Westwood head coach Scott Sergela. Coach, Iron Mountain beat Nagani 12-9 to last week. We saw the highlights. Uh, they have big weapons outside. A guy like Charlie Gerhard listed as 6-3. How well do you think the defense matches up against some of those bigger targets for Iron Mountain? Well, they got Charlie, you know, and then you have Johnson at uh, um, at the quarterback spot. But you know, they have a big tailback, and they got uh, some wings that are really fast too. And then, you know, they bring some other receivers in. They got a big line. Um, it's a little bit of a different Iron Mountain team, and I say that in, in regards to uh, their offense. You know, um, Coach Martel has changed his offense a little bit this year, but he's doing it to you know fit the kids that are in front of him. And um, you know they they run it well. I mean, for a first game, they were they were they didn't run a lot, um, but they go to their playmakers, and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna have our hands full. And uh, with with the quarterback Johnson, you mentioned he's kind of a, a scrambler, not afraid to run and not afraid to air it out. Is that a little bit different from maybe some of the other quarterbacks you guys are used to facing? Well, I you know I would compare him you know to the Johnson kid last year uh, with Gladstone. Um, very similar, um, you know, uh, I would say, you know, uh, Marcus is probably a, a heavy kid and, you know, you can see that on the basketball court, he's a competitor and, uh, um, you know, I'll be honest, he, he, I even made the comment to Luke Gray. I said, boy, that reminds me a lot of you when you played and, uh, they're, they're very similar competitive kids and, um, you know, Competition goes a long way. If you're a competitive kid, he, he's, he wants to win, and he's going to find a way to do it, and uh, we got to find a way to slow him down. We're talking with Westwood head coach Scott Sergela here on ESPN UP. Defensively, Nagani held, or excuse me, Iron Mountain held Nagani to nine points. What differences on that side of the ball do you see from when you played them last year? Well, I, they're they're a lot faster. You know, they have they had a really good JV team last year, but all the kids, you know, they had a couple sophomores up, and now, um, you know, a lot of the juniors that they played, um, they uh, are now seniors. Charlie's now a senior, and um, <clears throat> you can see how fast and physical their defense is. And uh, Iron Mountain was smart; they took Gerhard out and uh, put him on Duchesne. Uh, Nagani tried to go to him, couldn't do that. When Nagani started running the ball, they took Gerhard back in and put him at end, and they couldn't, you know, then they had trouble with that as well. And, uh, you know, but it's not just him either. It's, it's, you know, they got some good linebackers. They got a uh, 73 and 76 are huge, uh, real big kids, and their other weak side end, uh, 42, is really good as well. And uh, so, you know, um, we got we to gotta try to find some holes and, and uh, try to exploit them and, and uh, go after them. Now, looking at your own team, you've had about a week now to look back at the Houghton film, a 42 nothing win. What were a couple areas of that game that impressed you the most as you've been looking back on it? Um, you know, we did some really good things. We, we looked um, in areas 
that we were really good. In other areas, I was, I'll be honest, I was disappointed. Um, and just things that we've worked on that we've talked about paying attention to detail. And, um, you know, it, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, but they still need to be corrected, and they need to be corrected fast because we got Iron Mountain coming to town. And, um, you know, so there were some things that we did well. There are other things, you know, that we really need to work on and, and fix immediately. Uh, if we're going to have a shot at uh, competing with Iron Mountain. Penalties, I think, were one of the things you would probably throw into that category of things to fix. Would you chalk that up to just being a first game and, and kind of getting back into the flow of things? Um, yeah, it, some of it is. You know, it, it. you go back and watch the film, and, you know, uh, they call the holding on one of our receivers on a stock block. And um, if you watch the film, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. It's, you know, but the other thing is then you watch later on and the kid that, you know, got the holding call on him, you know, his arms are out. And so your arms are out as a wide receiver and you're trying to stock block. You're going to get, you're going to get called for it every time. And we don't teach, you know, block with your arms out when you stock block, you know, elbows in, thumbs up. And, uh, you know, so those are things that, you know, we, we had kids kind of resort back to just what they felt comfortable with in that game. And uh, instead of doing what they were coached to do, and I'll be honest, it's a little bit frustrating. And um, you know, we we we've addressed those things this week, and um, you know, a lot of little things and some big things, and um, you know, and made the praises where you know, because we did some wonderful, awesome things. You know, uh, there would be three out of our fine line, five linemen made great blocks and ran their feet, and uh, our backs made a great cut. You know, but then you have two linemen that didn't do it or a receiver didn't stock block and, you know, um, or forgot their assignment or something, you know what I mean? And so I think it was maybe the first game a little bit that we just, you know, we just got to get uh, get back on page, you know, all on the same page. And, you know, that's what makes football great. So, yeah, all 11 guys got to be on the same page. Before we let you go, Coach, uh, one of the biggest topics in, in football in general at all levels has been player safety, and, and sure. you've been around the, in the game for such a long time. What are the, the developments you have seen personally in trying to protect the players throughout the years, and how, how far has it come from when you started till now? You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a loaded question, but, I mean, it's a debatable question. Um, you know, uh, the helmets are safer, the shoulder pads are safer, the thigh pads are better. You know what I mean? Uh, the, uh, I remember running around in an old pair of Nike shorts with the heel falling off, and, you know, uh, the cleats are better. Um, uh, I remember having a helmet that just had a couple of white pads on the inside, and, you know, um, and it, it's, there was not a, a lot of tension when I, even when I played, uh, you know, about keeping your head up and, you know, they would mention it and things like that. And, you know, you'd tackle a little bit and do some drills and this and that. And it wasn't geared towards you want to be a, or you want to be safe. It was geared towards you want to be a good tackling team. And now the focus is the main point is you want to tackle safe so that you can tackle, you know what I mean? So you can still make the tackle, you know what I mean? So that's, that, that priority is, is switched around a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, 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 we have, uh, we bought some tackling wheels, um, two summers ago. And, you know, we use those with our little kids and we even brought them out to the varsity a little bit last year. And, you know, our varsity does tackling drills. You know, we talk about keeping the head up, getting the head to the side. 
you know, kind of barrel rolling with them and taking them down to the ground. And, um, you want to be a good tackling team because that's what football is, but you also want to keep the kids safe. Um, we've, uh, since I've been a head coach, um, just seem, you know, the injuries are the same, where the amount of injuries, I should say, it just seems like the severity of the injuries. And I'm not just talking us, I'm talking, you know, Ishperming had some severe injuries last year, Nagani had a couple. Uh, there was other schools in that too that had the same thing, and uh, um, I don't know why that is. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't know quite why that is. And uh, you're seeing a trend of, you know, it used to be really cool to play football, and you're seeing that trend of it's almost not cool to play anymore. And well, you know, uh, I don't believe that personally, and I'm sure there's other football coaches that, you know, uh, believe that as well. I mean. I've seen what football has done for our young people, and uh, it can be played safe. It can, it's a game that can be played safe. It is a collision sport. It's a contact sport, but it can be played safe. And, uh, you know, I just think moving forward, um, you just have to, you know, coach your kids up and teach them safety first. And uh, that's how the game's changed probably to me the biggest. Well, Coach, we appreciate the insight as always. Thanks again for joining us here on the Coach's Show, and good luck Friday night. Sure. Thanks a lot. One of the things that Coach Sergio said in that interview that really stuck out to me was the the comparison of Marcus Johnson to Darren Johnson in terms of scrambling, a great athlete basically at quarterback that also has the arm strength. Do you see those similarities? I do. I, do, I definitely see those similar, similarities now that he kind of says that. Thinking back on last year, just Darren and just the, how every single play you thought he was going to hit a home run. And a lot of the times he did make those amazing, you know, athletic plays. But I can definitely see that. And talk about the high school level, when you have a, an athlete like that who can do both things, I mean, it's really hard to stop. You know, you can try to stop him on the run, but then he beats you in the, with, in the pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Darren definitely did, did have a, a really good, uh, you know, a good arm. Um, I don't know. Uh, just with with Johnson, I think he might be a, just a little bit better of a passer. I think Darren probably was a better runner at this time, but. Um, yeah, I can de- definitely see some similarities. So it's definitely a dual threat mm-hmm. type of uh, challenge for Westwood. And on and on the Patriots side, they don't have to rely on just one player because they have three good runners with Beckman, the quarterback, as well as Ashton Bergman, Taylor Delangelo, who had a big big week last week. So instead of having to key on just one big player, that's a three headed rushing attack. All three are going to be on the field at the same time. It's almost a matter of who do you put your best defender on and and who do you leave leave open on us at some point right and I wouldn't want to leave either Delangelo Bergman or Beckman open you know Delangelo was a, was a player who surprised me a little bit I knew he was a great player you know I, re- I remember him making a lot of plays last year I was more focused on that Bergman uh, Beckman but he came out and I think defensively um, showed he's a playmaker on defense as well he had, had a nice pick and things like that but yeah I mean you can take away one of these guys, but uh, you know there's two other guys that are just as talented and and just as big of playmakers that can hurt you. So uh, it's kind of pick your poison and just hope that you can come together and, and play that team defense, that swarming defense. When we come back, we'll have more of our coaches' show. We'll talk with Marquette head coach Dave Lahillier. Stick with us. Eagle Mine is a proud supporter of local high school sports. At Eagle, safety is our number one priority for our employees and our community, and especially for our children. With school back in session, that means sharing the road with school buses. Be alert and ready to stop when you see a school bus when overhead lights or warning lights are flashing. Let's all do our part to protect our children by keeping them safe. This message is brought to you by Eagle Mine. 
You don't just want your bank to be a place where you park your money. You want it to be your partner in putting your money to work for you. At MBank, we believe in the power of exceptional banking products and services delivered by friendly, experienced people. Community-focused, client-driven, that's our commitment to you. It's about supporting our communities. It's about empowering our clients to make sound financial decisions. It's about being your financial partner. Make the move to MBank today. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to the ESPN-UP Coaches Show. Here's Blake Froling. Thanks again for joining us here in week two of the high school football season. Blake Froling and Jake Durant with you. Let's head over to your alma mater, Marquette. They went down to Traverse City Central uh, yesterday, lost 35-7. to Started out as a close game. It was 13-0 at halftime. And uh, as you'll hear Coach LaHillary talk about, there was a play right at the end of the half where Marquette could have scored to at least make it 13-7. They were stopped, and, and that was kind of a big momentum swing. They never really got back after that. No, and you need those plays. Those are the plays that you have to have when you're on the road. You're facing you know, a team that you know, is, is, I won't want to say superior because I, I do think Marquette is good, but a team that has just a lot of athletes and a lot of talent on all levels. Um, anytime you talk about these Traverse City teams, I remember going down there, playing like a TC St. Francis, just getting run out of the, you know, the, the field, run off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really tough to see Marquette always you know, have to do these tough games to start off the season. They usually fall down 0-2. I, I think that was the fifth game in a row that TC Central has beat Marquette. Um, you know, not a close game. Now they just got to start working, you know, building back up. Now they're going to come back up here, hopefully a little battle tested, um, and then start facing some UP teams and hopefully they can, you know, get, get things going and get on the right track. Um, but yeah, you, you just need those plays. I mean, it could have been a completely different game if they would have went out and scored, but you know, uh, the central team just a little bit too much. And also didn't help that two of their best playmakers, Ethan Martish and Drew Gale, didn't play, both dealing with hamstring injuries. Coach LaHillier said they're, he doesn't know when they'll come back. Could be next week, could be in a couple weeks. But anytime you're down basically your two best players against a team like Traverse City Central, it's going to be an uphill battle from the beginning. Exactly, and those are the two guys that can hit the home runs for you, You know, give the team momentum. They're, they're both leaders. Um, so losing those two guys, it's, it's different when you lose just one and you can still kind of lean on, on the other, but you're talking about losing your two best guys, two most experienced guys, two most productive guys, and then having to go down there and try to win. <clears throat> it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, maybe if they had those, that one of those guys could have hit a big play or something and, and, and turn momentum and made it a game, but, um, yeah, that's just tough for Marquette. So with that, let's go over to our interview with head coach Dave LaHillier. Coach, it was 13-0 at the half. You had a, a close opportunity to score before halftime. How big of a mo- momentum shift was it when you weren't able to punch it in? Yeah, that hurt us a little bit. That's kind of been the story of the first, uh, the first two weeks. Um, you know, we, we actually moved the ball really well up and on the field. Um, we just obviously couldn't uh, didn't finish very well in the first half. Twice we got down there. Once it was fourth and uh, four, and we, uh, we didn't complete the pass. And then the second one was a... Uh, you know, we had, you know, fourth and goal for two and uh, got stopped at the wall line. So that's, uh, you know, those things are, are, are kind of tough to swallow a little bit. But like I said, we, you know, we did pretty well offensively moving the ball without uh, having, with Drew or Ethan in, in the game. Um, you know, I thought our line blocked really well. And, uh, you know, we moved Robert Apple from, 
from quarterback to tailback, and he, he did a really nice job as a, as a tailback for his first time, and he played quarterback pretty much his whole life, and um, you know, he, he got some speed and, and uh, really did a nice job, and, and Brady Wright also played from was normally a fullback. He also got some left to tailback for us, too, so we were kind of a, a tailback by committee last night, and then uh, Ethan Hayes was able to get back and play. He missed the first game with a shoulder, and uh, was able to play fullback and and, uh, and linebacker for us, so that uh, you know that that was big getting him back too. So with Mardish and Gale sidelined with those injuries, how big of a of a hole does that leave for them on both sides of the ball? Well, I mean, stating the obvious, they're both you know all UP Dream Team players last year, so you take two all UP Dream Team players off your offense, and you know how is it going to uh, you know have some effect on, on what you can do? Um, but like I said, the other guys did a really good job of stepping up last night. Um, you know, Adam Jencheck had about six catches, did a really nice job. Colin Nick had a few catches. Uh, Robert Apple caught a couple screen passes and had some nice long, uh, you know, runs off the screens. Um, so again, we had a lot of guys that stepped up and, and really did a nice job. Um, and, and again, we're playing against Travis Central. They're they're a loaded team. You know, they won forty four nothing last weekend, and uh, you know they're they're going to be legit and probably be in for the hunt again. And uh, so, again, I thought our kids did a really nice job. They responded really well. And, uh, and, and we, we had a couple chances, and we just didn't capitalize again. So, um, But we did a much better job. We you know, won the turnover battle. We had one, uh, one, one uh, interception. That was it. And we caused a fumble on their first drive. And then uh, Tanner Judd got a, a pick on, uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter. So, you know, that was, that was much better for us offensively. We did a much better job of taking care of the ball. Um, we just have to be able to finish our drive. We're talking with Dave LaHillier, Marquette head coach here on the Coaches Show. And we talked about this before the season started, how you play these two teams every year, the Traverse City teams, and you say it, it helps you down the road. What are some areas where you think playing these games will help you this season? Uh, just the level of, of competition that you see. Um, you know, like you said, both teams are, are loaded with talent. Uh, you know, Central's probably got three guys that are going to be D1 athletes, I think. St. Francis and a couple guys are getting some D1 looks. So, again, anytime you see that, that type of speed and that type of athleticism on the field, um, obviously going to help you for the rest of, uh, rest of your season going through. Mm-hmm. Before we let you go, our main theme for the show has been player safety and, and head injuries, and it's been one of the more, more popular topics in football. How have you seen changes made in football regarding player safety and head injuries during your coaching career? Um, I, I think the biggest thing in the last couple of years is the MHSAA has, has kind of really changed some things in, in terms of, you know, practice. Um, uh, you know, times you're allowed to have contact practices, uh, the number of contact practices you're allowed to have throughout the week. Um, so they're really trying to take, you know, limit as much of the hitting as possible during practice. Um, so, you know, again, they're, they're, they're not taking those many repeated hits. And, you know, one of the biggest myths out there about concussions is, you know, a lot of the times it happens from you're looking for that one big hit where it happens. Well, you know, a lot of times now it's because of, you know, the repeated minor hits that are, that are happening that's, that's causing them. Um, and just the overall awareness. You know, our, we have a great uh, training staff that we work with. And, you know, with uh, UP Sports Rehab does a great job of having people with, with all of our practices and helping monitoring things and, and seeing things. And, um, you know, for us, it's, Again, just the overall educational part of it and the awareness that we have now. You know, you see those things happen. It's before, you know, back when I was playing, you just you were, you were, you kind of shook the cobwebs off and you went right back in. And 
now you really understand that you know not the best practice to do that when those things happen. Um, you got to get your your player out for the safety, you know, the safety of the individual. And uh, again, part of the problem is if, if they get rushed back too soon, um, then there's a you know there's a greater risk of occurring again. So I think you know just the, the educational awareness is a huge factor in it, and then uh, again making better decisions on, on practice time and how you use practice time efficiently. All right, Dave, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Coaches Show. All right, thanks. So Marquette now falls to 0-2 on the season. Always a, a tough – it's so tough to start the season for them every single year, basically, playing those Traverse City teams. But he did say there is a silver lining in that they are battle-tested. What can we expect now from Marquette going forward for the rest of the season? Honestly, I, coming in, I thought this team had potential to do big things this season. When you talk about the guys they had returning and things like that, um, you know, going and do that, doing that team preview with them, I, I was high on the Redmen um, coming into things. I think it all depends on if they can get Gale and Martish back. If they can get Gale and Martish back, I think they can beat any team up here in the UP. You know, they can hang with them mm-hmm. and beat them. Um, but it's going to be up to up to them. I know they had uh, they had a quarterback returning, so they have experience there. It's just it's just winning those games and doing those small things that are going to you know, win games for you and, and not letting those big plays that Marquette seems to always let happen, happen to them. Um, when you talk about the first play, I think, uh, last week, they, the, the Traverse City team busted mm-hmm. a huge run. You know, you can't fall behind like that when you're facing teams like that. But um, I think collectively, if they're healthy, they can play with any team in the UP. When we come back, we'll have another game recap. Nagani played last night at Calumet. We'll talk with Coach Jacobson after this here on the Coaches Show. I'm Tom Farley from the Bjorkins-Alke Funeral Home. The student-athletes in our area are second to none. They spend their days in the classroom preparing for their futures and compete after school in their sports with a high level of talent and effort. Each year there is a new set of athletes. We watch as they grow and develop and represent their schools and communities. When you see them on the street, let them know you appreciate their efforts. The Bjorkins-Alke Funeral Home is standing on the sideline with great admiration for what you do. Join us ensuring in a positive way as we enjoy this high school sports season. Are you looking for a new vehicle with a payment that fits your budget? UP Catholic Credit Union is here to help. The Payment Saver Program is a low payment alternative to a traditional loan or lease. It offers lower monthly payments, no down payment, and a flexible loan term that ranges from 36 to 72 months. It's a perfect fit for anyone looking for a vehicle five years old and newer. Call UP Catholic Credit Union or visit us online for more information about the newest, easiest way to be in the car of your dreams. Welcome back to the ESPN UP Coaches Show. Here's Blake Froling. Two down, three to go here on the ESPN UP Coaches Show. We talked with Scott Sergel of Westwood and Dave LeHillier of Marquette. Next up is Paul Jacobson of Nagani. The Miners lost at Calumet last night, 30-8. to Scary situation when quarterback Jason Waterman went down with a leg injury. He missed the rest of the game. That happened, I believe, in the first quarter when the score was tied 8-8. Uh, Coach Jacobson said it's just a muscle injury, so he'll be week-to-week. It's not, it's not expected to be a long-term injury, but when you lose your best playmaker, kind of like Marquette, when you lose your best playmaker – that's when it gets really difficult to on both sides of the ball because he plays defense as well to keep up with a team like Calumet. Mm-hmm. And Calumet's a really good team, a very balanced team. And like you said, it was 8-8 when he went down. 
So, I mean, it was a tie game, and then Nagani got nothing else going on offense that whole rest of that game. So it just goes to show how, how important Waterman is. Not sure off the top of my head who they had in at backup. Um, Jake Larson. Jake Larson. So I, I really haven't seen this, this kid go yet, but hopefully he can um, kind of keep the ship afloat here. And, and, you know, Waterman's just one of those guys, you know, a junior uh, captain name this year rarely happens at Nagani. Um, obviously, we again another kid that has shined on the basketball court, at, you know, as a sophomore last year, coming in as a junior this year. So obviously, this is a huge loss there for Nagani. Um, I never expected Nagani to start out 0 and 2. Um, I thought they were going to be a, uh, you know, I thought they were at least going to get one of these first couple games. Um, but hopefully, they can switch. You know, hopefully they can turn things around and, and try to right ship and Waterman can come back healthy and and get things going. Well, I think it's important for teams that start 0 and 2 not to panic. Because there's still plenty of season left. If you get six wins, you're in for the playoffs. Five wins, you still have a chance. So they they can, there's still plenty of time to make up for that. 0-2 is not ideal, but it's not like the season is over. No, it's not over. That's why I said hopefully they can kind of turn mm-hmm. things around. Definitely not. It's, definitely, you don't want your players to think, oh, we're we're terrible. You know, this is. You know, we're not that good. The season's over. You don't want to start. You know, especially with young kids, they can get in that mindset because they. Sometimes don't see the the bigger picture. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously both coaches there and Lahillier and Jacobson are saying, just hang on, guys. You know, buy into the system. We're going to start doing things, and things are going to start happening. And you just got to take it week by week. Um, but obviously, this coming into this next week, it's pretty. You need to get this next one. You do not want to go down uh, three games. Mm-hmm. So let's hear from Nagani head coach Paul Jacobson. Coach, uh, it was tied up eight eight in the first quarter. Then Jason Waterman quarterback went down with a leg injury how big of an impact did that have on the rest of the game oh man uh, you know honestly uh, it, it had a, it had a you could see it right away it was apparent after our first uh, you know the first quarter um, you know the guy goes down and scores nice drive we had missed tackles they put they put it in the end zone we come back and and answered the bell right off the cuff and, and had a nice drive down the field and, and answered the bell um, you know, we stopped them three and out. Next series in offense, um, you know, going for first down. You know, Jason hurts his, his hip a little bit, muscular. It's almost like you could feel the, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the kind of wind come out of our sails. Um, that was right at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Kaimet goes back now. Uh, we get a three and out. We go three and out. Kaimet comes down, and again, some some mistack on our part, some miscues, and. And Calumet scores, and we go into halftime 14 to eight. And uh, you know, thought we had an opportunity. You know, at that point, we're playing well. Um, we didn't respond well, I don't think, in the in the in the first half after Jason went down, and even in the second half, you could tell a little bit that our offense, you know, didn't have the confidence without Jason at the helm or, or what it was. But we needed kids to step up and make some plays. Um, that didn't happen for us. And then on the other side of the ball, uh, Calumet's Travis Ojala had a couple of touchdowns. What made him so difficult to stop? Yeah, he just he, he's not stop. I mean, he's, his legs are constantly moving. You know, we had him, we had him a couple of times. Um, you know, he was stopped the two long runs. We had him a couple of times in the backfield, and and uh, he continued to to drive forward and, and break tackles and and uh, nonstop. You know, that's that's uh, you know sign of a good competitor and a good running back. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Coach Paul Jacobson here on the Coach's Show. So so if 
Waterman is out for next game, not sure yet. Um, what what kind of an impact does he have, not just as, as being a, a good player, but in terms of with the rest of the guys? I know you mentioned a little bit, but, but what kind of, I guess, after effects does his presence have? Well, it definitely changes the, the dynamics of our team. You know, Jason's, uh, you know, I think he's a pretty good dual threat um, quarterback with the run and the pass. Um, and, he's, and, and, and you alluded to it a little bit, he's a, he's a tremendous leader. You know, and, and to lose someone uh, of his leadership ability uh, is going to have an impact on it. But, you know, like his, his role changes. You know, we told Ty last night that, yeah, you're on the sideline, but you still have to be in the game and, and, and uh, you know, assuming your leadership role. So it's going to, it definitely changes us um, offensively if we're not able to get him back this week. Um, we're still going to have him in spirit and, and, and uh, either way um, with his leadership on the sideline. So that'll, I think that'll, Add to it and give us a week to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we let you go, Coach, uh, the the main theme for this week has been talking about player safety, uh, specifically with head injuries, because that's the one of the biggest topics in football right now. As you have been a coach throughout the years, how have you seen maybe improvements in player safety with head injuries or rule changes, or how do you think it has improved from when you started coaching and now? Well, well first of all, um, the, the main thing you see is the amount of attention um, given to the athletes, first of all. I mean, everything considered, the, the, the athlete's safety and well-being is, is, is top-notch. Um, you know, we have people on our sidelines, the medical staff, whether it's a trainer, a doctor, a physician. Um, if there's even a question about it, they go right to them. You know, they're leaving the, a lot of the guesswork um, out of the coaches, which is, which is fantastic, into the people that know stuff about it. Um, even officials, if they see... Any type of, of dizziness, staggering after a, after a hard hit, um, they're they're immediately pushed to the sidelines uh, to the training staff. So, um, the, first of all, that that's that's one of the biggest impacts I've seen uh, is the care to it. And and once uh, you know, we, we we impact test, I'm sure most teams do. Um, it's an impact testing, which uh, is is kind of a pre concussion test. And once they get into concussion protocol they they can't get back in until they they pass a that impact test and b a physical test so again taking the athletes safety and, and health into consideration it's all the coaches hands and more on the medical side of it um that uh the equipment uh, helmets have gone you know you know you think about back in the day when they you know a little leather helmet on top of their heads but the equipment-wise, um, you know, we're able to put um, helmets on kids now that uh, are top of the line and, and really engineered towards um, reducing impacts and concussions. Um, and then officials, you know, you see it's a trickle-down effect. You know, we started seeing it in, in the NFL with 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 uh, with contact with the head first of all with the, you know defenders. Um, it's trickled down now into uh, defensive players of college and and all the high schools. So, you know, it's it's. Uh, there's programs out there too. USA Football puts uh, programs out there, and and they're educating coaches on 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 heads of football and keeping the head out of football. And it's come a long ways. You know, bottom line, it's a, it, it is a physical sport. Um, I think we've you know last year, knock on wood, we we uh, we didn't have a concussion on our team last year, um, and that's a tribute to the kids, the, the coaching staff, training staff, everybody involved. Um, so yeah, we just you know you, you, it's going to be a part of it once in a while. You hope it's not, but. You know, I think everything is in place right now to, to keep the uh, the safety of the, of the athletes uh, um, right in the forefront. 
Do you think the athletes are more comfortable speaking up if they think something is wrong? Maybe there's less of a stigma about talking about it? <laughs> you know what? I guess that depends on who you talk to. <laughs> Uh, there's some guys that'll still, you know, and, and, and it's, it, it's kind of come the pendulum has swung so far right now that I think it's starting to kind of come back towards the middle a bit as far as, um, precautionary stuff. But, you know, you see stars, you know, we've all walked into uh, doorways or something where we saw stars, you know, that's considered a concussion and you're, you're supposed to report that and, you know, and then, and then enter concussion protocol. I, you know, that probably happens quite a bit, um, not maybe in football, but in everyday life. But um, it probably does happen and depends on the type of kid you have, um, you know, whether they're going to report it or not. It's up to the individual athlete, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Coach's Show. All right. Thank you. So Nagani, 0-2 now. Like we said, plenty of season left. If... Jason Waterman, if he's out a week, two weeks, it's tough to know. We're not in there, but do you think they can still stay afloat even without him? You know, they're going to have to definitely push in and press on on other guys to kind of get things going. Obviously, I think their defense will have to step it up a notch because they, I, it just showed not being able to score. Obviously, when you get a backup kind of thrown in there, not really ready for game action, it's going to be tough. So. You know they're gonna have to prep Larson up and, and things like that. It's gonna be tough. I don't want. I'm not gonna doubt Larson and say it's it's over because I really just don't know who who he is as a player or anything like that. But um, you know it's it's gonna be tough, man. They're gonna have to really dig deep and come together as a team. And I think that defense is gonna have to carry them. And then maybe they can get Duchesne or or somebody out there making plays for them. But they're gonna have to get their athletes in space, good defense, and just try to get a win any way mm-hmm. possible until they can get Waterman back. What is it with with Calumet? Also, having such great success against Nagani, it seems like every single year they have their number. I, I remember going to the Nagani Calumet, so I don't get to see Calumet a lot. Obviously, they're way up there in the Copper Country, but they always seem to have big kids you know, on those lines, you know, big kids in the trenches. I mean, they're just a tough team, man. They're, they're just tough. They're tough kids, um, really scrappy, and they, they just know who they are. And you know, that's, that's, They play good defense. They like to run the ball, and, and then they, they pass it. They, you know, they're pretty balanced, so... Um, sometimes teams just have your number, and when you got that confidence, um, it's, it's hard to it's hard to beat that. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, name to watch out for for you for the sports zone. I don't know if you mentioned him, but Calumet's Travis Ojala, I think he had three or four touchdowns against Nagani. So he didn't he, he didn't make the watch. He didn't make the watch. He was well, this angry. Was, well, this was last night. Okay, so this will be this week. So right. I'll keep that in mind. So maybe he'll be on the list. Yeah, he, tune in Wednesday at 7.30, next Wednesday at 7.30. See, there you go. There he's, he's trying to make a case for himself. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Ishwaming's game tonight against Lakeland and Hubble, the first time these two have met. Keep it with us here on The Coaches Show. Here at True North Federal Credit Union, we want to teach kids how to save responsibly right from the get-go. That's why we offer the Kirby Kangaroo Club to ages 0 through 12. The Kirby Kangaroo Club teaches kids how to save responsibly by offering them a punch for every $5 deposited into their account. They can then redeem those punches for fabulous prizes. We also offer the Claim Your Youth program to ages 13 through 17. The Claim Your Youth program teaches teens how to save responsibly by offering prizes for net deposits into their account. It's all available at True North Federal Credit Union. Member NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.
Econo Foods is proud of its student-athletes that play for their schools and communities. They see their work ethic not only on the field of play, but also in their stores throughout the Upper Peninsula. The combination of academics, athletic skill, and a willingness to work hard makes them winners. Econo Foods salutes you. Sports and athletic competition bring out the best in our communities, and we want you to know we appreciate your efforts. Good luck this year to the Redmen and Redettes, the Miners, the Hematites, the Patriots, the Model Towners, the Hawks, the Mustangs, and all the parents and fans. Welcome back to the ESPN-UP Coaches Show. Here's Blake Froling. We've got two more coaches left here on our ESPN-UP Coaches Show. Blake Froling, Jake Durant with you. We will talk with Ishwaming head coach Jeff Olson. I guess I should say he's our last coach because we were going to talk with Dion Brown, head man for Gwynn, mm-hmm. but their game was canceled against Manistique due to low numbers for the Emeralds. So uh, he's off the hook this yep. week. Uh, but regardless... It's, it's, it's always fun talking to I Dion. I know. You just get a, a jolt of optimism. Right. And anytime I talk to him, I, I, these kids have to be fired up to, mm-hmm. to play for him. Yeah, I get inspired right, actually talking to him. Mm-hmm. So he, won't, he will not be joining us. Uh, but... With that forfeit, Gwyn is now 2-0. and They get the win for that. Hey, I'm taking a win anytime I can get it, mm-hmm. so I'll stay 2-0. and Was was Gwyn the team that you would have expected to start 2-0? and I think they had a good chance. I, I don't want to sit here and bash Manistique. If the Gwyn and Manistique played, I would have had my – I'm not a gambling man, but I would mm-hmm. have had my money on, on Gwyn. Mm-hmm. So does it surprise me? No, it doesn't surprise me because I know, like I said, those kids are going to play hard for Dion, and I know they had a lot of kids returning who were suspended, some talented kids, and um, they have athletes on that team, you know, one or two two really good athletes that mm-hmm. they can get into space. So does it surprise me that they're 2-0? No, no. Okay. We have Ishpeming now. They play tonight with a chance to go 2-0 and against Lakeland and Hubble. First time these two have played uh, because they're now in the new West Pack. Uh, so we will get Jeff's thoughts on what it's like playing, basically, a brand new team. Jeff, you guys have never even played Lakeland and Hubble in the history of the program as far as our records go. What unique challenges does that propose to you and your coaching staff? Well, it's a, you know, they run a different type of offense, a full house key that we rarely ever see. You know, we've seen it in the playoffs before, but um, um, Lakeland is a, is a, is a, football team that's rich in tradition uh i think it was in the 90s they were in the state championship game um maybe you know five times i'm not you know i could be wrong on that i think they won two um and they've been doing extremely well um lately and um you know they're always they're in the playoffs perennially every year it's a very small school not many kids um you know, so they they have a lot of tradition. There's a lot of pride in that program, and you know they're going to always, um, you know, they're always going to give their best. And uh, you know, you have to be extremely prepared anytime you're going to play a team like that or a program like that. So, for fans listening, you talked about they run a full house T offense. Can you kind of describe that? What what that kind of looks like? Well, there's three three. Um, you know, there's three running backs in the backfield, and then you add the quarterback in, and they're all going in different directions and crossing, and there's a lot of misdirection, so you have to be very disciplined when you're preparing against a, an offense like that because guys are going one way, other guys are going the other way, and um, if you're not disciplined, you could be going the wrong way. It, it You know, it can be a big play offense um, where, um, you know, you get – large amounts of yards, you know, on any 
particular play. Um, you know, they've just played a great, a really good Norway team and put up 32 points on them. You know, a lot of big plays. So when you play a team like that, you got to be disciplined and you got to, kids got to be in the right areas all the time. And defensively, what do you expect to see from the Lakes? They're out, you know, they're not a big team. And they they rely on their quickness, and they um, they're going to put a lot of different formation defensive formation fronts against you. They're going to be shooting gaps. They're going to try to get in your backfield. Um, so, you know, if we're not disciplined there on our blocking schemes, um, you know, you're going to have negative yards on on any particular play. So, you know, they do some different things that um, you know we're not quite used to. Um, when we play other teams, you know, particular mid-pen teams or, or teams that are, you know, are on our, our, have been on our schedule for years. Mm-hmm. Jeff Olson, Ishming head coach, is with us here on ESPN UP. Going back to last week, you beat Manistique fifty-two to nothing. Was that the the start you expected from this team? Well, I, you know, I don't know. You know, they're they're down right now. Um, they don't have many kids. Uh, they had a couple of injuries. Um, during the week, so they were they were a depleted team. Um, so it's hard to gauge, you know, where where we're at right now. Um, you know, you know, a lot of things worked for us in that game. Um, we did still make some mistakes, with, you know, that we that we can correct. Um, so you know, our goal is to get better every week. Um, you know, and, and things because it wasn't as difficult. You know, we're we're hoping that. Um, you know, we, we can get better at, you know, this week and in the following weeks to come. Who are a couple of players that stood out to you as you reviewed the film of that game? Well, you know, I like the way our line came off the ball. Uh, we have a bigger line this year than normal. Um, I like, uh, you know, we spread the ball around, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of people who carry the football and, and we weren't, we aren't relying on any one person. So, you know, our kids, um, did well when we put them in positions to make plays, and uh, um, you know that's what we need. We need a team effort this year. We need all eleven guys working. We need to have, you know, we're, we're going to be a team where um, you can't key on one person, and and that's kind of the way we we went. We attacked Manistee. Mm-hmm. And before we let you go, uh, Jeff, kind of a different question to, to close things out. Uh, much of the narrative around football at all levels has been safety. Uh, as you have been coaching over the years, what kind of changes have you seen throughout that time to make the game safer for the kids? Well, there's been you know a number of changes rule-wise. Um, there's been a number of changes with equipment. Um, people don't understand that um, the game of football is safer right now than it's ever been, and it's because of the rule changes. It's because of of the new of the equipment, um, the safer equipment. So, you know, I feel confident. Um, you know, in all my years of coaching, you know, this will be number thirty-seven. That this, the game of football is safer than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, we appreciate the time. Thanks again for joining us, and good luck against Lakeland and Hubble. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. So that was Ishwing head coach Jeff Olson joining us here on the Coaches Show, playing Lakeland and Hubble at home tonight, looking to go to 2-0. and They maybe had, I think score-wise, they had the biggest win of Week 1, an absolute dominating performance, 52 to nothing against Manistique. I wouldn't expect a repeat of that score against Lakeland and Hubble. They lost in a shootout themselves in Week 1. But I think Ishwing kind of announced a little bit in Week 1 that, hey, we're back. This is not the Ishwaming of last year and the year before when they were a little bit down. Yeah, and I, I mean, I th- they had a couple down years, and you know, missing out on the playoffs in 2016 after that that great run, 
You know, you thought they were going to come back last year and, and be be the Ishpeminga of old. Unfortunately, injuries really caught up with them at some key positions. A lot of the skill position guys went down. But I think what was their weakness last year now turns to their strength. They got, I think, some of the better numbers they've seen in a while. I know they got a couple of transfers coming in. Um, and a lot of those guys returning. And then you talk about those underclassmen that were kind of thrown into the, the flames last season now coming back with experience. So I think in the long run, that down year, that you know Olsen says he doesn't want anyone feeling sorry for them is actually going to turn into a positive. So now they have experience, they have size, they got their skill guys coming back, and like you said, they went and, and I mean they beat Manistique 52 to nothing. Anytime you can score 52 points, I don't really care who you're playing. It's 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 impressive. But you talk about Lakeland and Hubble with that shootout. I think they they played Norway if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think Norway's a bad team. I think they were ranked. I think they're ranked number five on our Sports Zone okay. 11 man ranking. So they're not a bad team. Um, but I do think Ishbing will win. It's not going to be a 52-point game, but I think the, the Ishbing will, will kind of impose their will a little bit when you talk about running the ball and just kind of um, you know wearing this team down. Right, especially with a, a big weapon in the backfield like Hunter Smith, who dominated in that game against Manistique. He's got to be one of the tougher guys to bring down, probably in the area. One of the more reliable, one the more reliable backs in the area. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they have a lot of weapons, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely Smith. Had himself a nice game, and and um, you know when you have someone like that that you can just keep handing the ball to, you know one and two yards here, one and two yards here. When that defense wears down, you know they're going to start breaking them, and then you know they can get some of their speed guys too hitting the, hitting the, the sidelines and stuff. So yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. When we come back, we will wrap things up here on the coaches show. Maybe talk about some of your rankings. Uh, I know you got some heat for some of them. You did play. We did get a little heat. We did get a little, it's one week, people. It's one week. Mm-hmm. Things will shake out. Yeah, calm down. It's just it's just Jake's rankings. It's just my rankings. Who even cares, right? <laughs> right? Exactly. We'll go through some of those right after this here on the ESPN UP Coaches Show. The Market Big Boy presents the famous Slim Jim with a twist. The Turkey Club Slim Jim features slow-roasted turkey breast, bacon, and Swiss. The Italian Slim Jim features lean ham, pepperoni, and other Italian delights. The Veggie Slim Jim has red pepper hummus, feta cheese, mushrooms, cucumbers, pepper rings, spinach, and more. On the burger menu is a classic Big Boy, but also the Ohio Big Boy with signature Ohio burger sauce. The West Coast Big Boy with red relish and mayo. The Barbecue Bacon Big Boy and Fully Loaded Big Boy US 41 Marquette. Dave's Collision in Ishpeming specializes in scratch and dent repair as well as other major collision repairs, including metalwork, painting, and collision-related mechanical work. Dave's uses quality Exalta paint to ensure a clean, shiny, color-matched finish. With over 26 years of experience, Dave, with the help of his qualified staff, has the knowledge to restore your vehicle to pre-accident condition. Make the right decision. Choose Dave's Collision. Call 485-1211. That's 485-1211. Welcome back to the ESPN-UP Coaches Show. Here's Blake Froling. We've got a few minutes left here on the ESPN-UP Coaches Show. Blake Froling, Jake Durant with you here. Again, uh, an update on the games you can expect to hear tonight. Westwood will be taking on Iron Mountain at home starting at 7 o'clock pregame at 6.30 right here on ESPN-UP. That's our, our game of the week, too, so you need to get there. It's going to be hype. We're going to be there at 6.20 doing a live shot. You know, If you want to stand behind us, go for it during the live shot. Just don't do anything crazy. Right. Don't be the guy who walks in front of the camera, just behind. Yeah, I, I actually had a guy who actually walk in front of my camera during the basketball <laughs> season. As I'm live on TV, he literally stood right in front of me and was shaking a guy's hand. I was looking over his shoulder like, keep talking. I don't know what to do. This is very <laughs> awkward. TV things, you know. 
Yeah, we don't have that problem in radio. No, no one sticks their head in, in a microphone and says something. Right, exactly. So uh, let's get to it with uh, your rankings on the sports zone. You did eight man and eleven man. We did eight right? man and eleven man. We'll go over eleven man mm-hmm. um, just because we deal with these teams a little bit more now. These our these are our rankings. Just. So my personal opinion, so if you have a problem with it, you can come talk to me about it and kind of give me a reason why you have a problem, issue with this. Um, but obviously this is week one, so things are a lot, you know, things are going to shake out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really hard to do rankings. Right. Um, but, but here we go. So we're going to start with five. So at number five, we have the Gladstone Braves. I think they, they showed themselves last week, had a really nice home victory. Um, granted, they played last night, and I'm pretty sure they lost, but... You know, whatever. awkward. Whatever. Um, this, this we'll we'll redo these next Wednesday. Obviously, every right. Wednesday. So this was prior to last night. Um, so Norway's at number four. They beat Lakeland and Hubble. I think they're Norway's a pretty good team. They're always mm-hmm. pretty good. You know, so figured, just this very steady team. Very steady team. I think they're solid until they lose. Mm-hmm. And then I'm gonna have Norway in there. Um, this was kind of a toss up with three and two. I put three Westwood and two Iron Mountain. Oh, so two three versus three matchup. Yeah, two versus three matchup tonight. And I, it's really only the opponent um, they played. You know, Westwood, they'd blow out Houghton on the road, but I just didn't think Houghton was a very good team to begin with. I, kind of, I actually said on air that they were going to uh, shut them out. So Really? I, yeah, I was, I was correct. Um, I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was. And then Iron Mountain, obviously, on the road. I, th- I thought Nagani was just better than Houghton, and I thought their victory was a little bit more impressive. So I put Iron Mountain at two. Those can switch up. Obviously, they're going to play tonight. Someone's going to lose. Mm-hmm. And the number one I have is Um I just like what they have returning. You know, They took care of business on the road. They won't beat Manasik 52 to nothing. Um, and really, it's it's all just kind of like I just think the potential of this team is just the greatest, and it, I have to put them at one. I just think they're the overall most talented team. Right. Barring health problems, health with any of these, any of these, that's that's always the big question mark, especially with Ishwing. What happened last year? I feel like they could have had a similar start, I guess, or on paper, similar projection last year if they mm-hmm. would have just stayed healthy. Oh yeah, because it's basically the same players. Definitely, and yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was at the game when their quarterback went down. Um, Denofri, mm-hmm. was it Denofri? Donald Denofri? Denofri, I think, went down in the game I was at. And that was just the start of it for them. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I was high on Ishpeming as well. So, barring injury, I think Ishpeming's the best team. So, we got Ishpeming, Iron Mountain, Westwood, Norway, Gladstone. I will say you probably did not make any friends with a lot of our listeners. We've had a lot of Westwood fans that listen. So Hey, I, I, I like Westwood. I said Westwood was one of the best teams. Just right now, y'all, you take care of business tonight in Iron Mountain. Westwood could, could easily obviously jump to number two and – you know, who's, who knows what's going to happen with Ishpeming? What if Ishpeming loses? Westwood's right there, number one. Mm-hmm. It's, it switches every week, people. Were there a couple teams that were kind of knocking on the door that you were close to putting in the top five? You know, I don't really know. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a few. It's too early. It's too early. I mean, any team that really had a victory, you could kind of look at and say, hey, they, they're considered. But I just kind of took with what they had last year kind of what they showed in week one mm-hmm. and then, you know, what they have returning and potential and kind of just made the list. Who were a couple players that stood out to you for last week? I know you did, you kind of talked about a couple of performances that were big. Who were a couple that stood out to you? Um, I mean, it has to be Delangelo, I think, was one that we had. Uh, let me see here. He was the Westwood Delangelo, running back. Yep, Delangelo with Westwood. Uh, I'm trying to pull this up right now. I shouldn't have this ready. Should have been prepared. Um, I, there's a couple eight-man players that had had some good some good. Um, time. Hold on. Did you get some heat for the eight-man rankings as well? Uh, did I? Yes. So I got some heat. Uh, a lot of people in Rapid River watched the show, apparently. Oh. Um, and I didn't have Rapid River on the uh, 
the listing. All right, so here, here's the player of the year. Watch for it. So we had Taylor Delangelo, Bo Rondo from Superior Central. They blew up Forest Park. He had a huge game. Um, Seth Aho from Gwynn was a name mm-hmm. you know, many people know about. Andrew Blanchard from Angadine. So we just had a really short list. I think he had like six touchdowns. Six touchdowns? I'm pretty sure, something okay. like that for Angadine. Um, but I did get a lot of heat for the eight men. Rapid River didn't like it because they weren't on. The, like, mm-hmm. um, had some callers calling like, oh, these are way off. Why? You know, where's the Rapid River? You should see Rapid River play. And then we went there yesterday uh, to the North Central game, and they didn't look that great in the first half, and that's all we saw. They made it a close game mm-hmm. um, last night and, and things like that. But um, I don't know. Will they be on the rankings? I'm not sure. You know, your pick for Seth Aho for Gwyn, I like it. Because when I talked to Dion, the two times I talked to him before the season started – both times he mentioned Seth and mm-hmm. how important he was to the team on both sides of the ball and how his role was even going to grow even more. So that's a, a name that doesn't really – is not like a big star name in the high school realm, but he might be. Right. And these player of the year watches, these change every week too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just kind of a list of big-time performances, and, and you're going to see conti- you know uh, repeats names on the list and things like that. But then at the end of the year, we're going to kind of take a look back, make a final list, compose a list, do a voting thing, and name our player of the year. So that's Mm -hmm. how that's going to work. Right. And then you're going to get guys, even basically anybody who scores a touchdown is going to be wanting to be on your list, right? Yeah. We got to draw a line somewhere. Um, You know, obviously we're going to look at the the best players, Mm -hmm. the the dream teamers and things like Mm -hmm. that, first teamers and stuff. So we'll see. So do you, should we do a couple predictions? We only have two local games tonight. Uh, Let's start with Ishmael. At home against Lakeland and Hubble, will the Hematites move on to two and zero? I think the Hematites will move on to two and zero. Should I give a score? Yeah, why not? I'm gonna say they win. It's different. I'm gonna say they win like twenty eight to thirteen. I think Lakeland and tries to go for two or something. And okay, get it. okay, full house T offense. I had never heard of that before. That Jeff is. told me about it on the interview. So could it's basically assignment football where there's three running backs in the backfield plus the quarterback so quadruple option oh, wow. kind of you basically that could be the x factor cannot be fooled i mean that's why they were what did they put up 35 points or something like that in week one mm-hmm. so it has big play potential is basically right. what he said and if you lose your assignment you get sloppy get greedy it's gonna burn you yeah i mean that's kind of that's interesting mm-hmm. the kids are gonna have to be uh, play assignment football right so now, the other game, our game, Westwood versus Iron Mountain. Who do you think is winning that one? I think Westwood wins a close one. I, I just think the experience they have on that roster in the home field will, will ultimately decide it. I'm going to say it's in the 20s as well. I think it's going to be wet, rainy out tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just go, I'm going to go 20, 28 to 21. Okay. Just a one score. Seven-point game. Yeah. Westwood loves the wet, rainy fields. Uh, when I was talking with Coach Sergio last year during the playoffs, he's like, I hope it rains and I hope it snows because that's their advantage because if Scott had his way, he would run the ball every single play. Right. Obviously, he doesn't, but they're perfectly okay with that, whereas it looked like Iron Mountain aired the ball out a little bit more in that week one game against Nagani, so you wonder how that's going to affect their offense as well. Yeah, like I said, they only scored – they didn't score a lot of points, and the, one mm-hmm. of their points came on like a, basically a Hail Mary. Right. Um, so – you're gonna have, they're going to have to ride that run game and, and get Marcus in those quarterback options and, and things like that. So I do think Westwood is, is better equipped to win this game tonight. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have the big outside threat of Charlie Gerhard. They have 
at least two or three tight ends that are over six foot three. Mm-hmm. And Westwood is not a very tall team, especially in their secondary. So you wonder if if uh, Marcus Johnson is able to just you know, th- lob I it would. up in a jump ball situation. Honestly, I don't. Look- and I see teams with those type of weapons and things like that. I don't know why they don't do that more often, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, why not just throw it up? 50-50 ball. It's high school football, you know. Mm-hmm. Have, have, and I know Gerhardt's one of the better athletes. Have him just go up there and grab it. Right. He Anytime you're in, in the red zone, mm-hmm. I'll just toss it up, man. Yeah. So make sure join join us. 6.30 for the pregame. 7 o'clock for kickoff. You can watch Local 3 for your live shot. Then turn on the pregame show. Yeah, if that's what you want to do. Do it. It'll work out perfectly, yeah, right? Yeah, hopefully it's not raining. It will be. I know. Don't Just be prepared. Yep. All right. Uh, if you missed the beginning part of our show, just head over to ESPNUP.com or check your free ESPNUP app. We'll have it on demand ready for you later tonight. Until then, thanks for joining us. You're listening to ESPNUP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.